We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Michael J. Focci will not be joining me today for this episode. Instead, um, I'm not going to be doing a solo episode. Actually, I was a guest on the Close Up Magic Show, which is a terrific Magic NBA podcast. And they had me on to talk about the last two games of the Pacers and the Magic played against each other. So we dive into that. We dive into some conversations about Paolo Boncaro versus Benedict Matherin, that whole thing. And we do talk a little bit of Magic, obviously, but talk a lot about Tyrese Halliburton and the Pacers, what they're doing. So it was a really fun podcast. I think you guys are going to enjoy our conversation. But before that, I just wanted to do a quick recap on tonight's Pacers victory. They're fifth in a row, ladies and gentlemen. They are on fire right now. Take down the Orlando Magic 123 to 102. Much different game than it was on Saturday. The Orlando Magic just didn't seem like they had anything in them tonight. And the Pacers were kind of sloppy with the basketball. I think they had like eight turnovers in the first quarter. Did not play good at all in terms of protecting the basketball, but were able to chip away and just put this Magic team to bed. And so Franz Wagner was the best player for the Magic in this one here with 20 points. But, you know, Mo Bamba had 15. He looked all right. You know, they had Gary Harris come back from his injury. He played pretty good off the bench, but a lot of those points were in garbage time. But your Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton, Eastern Conference Player of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, 18 points and 14 assists in 27 minutes. He was carving up that Orlando Magic defense, ladies and gentlemen. They had no chance. I tell you what, it's pretty impressive when the Pacers win by 21 points and Buddy Hield goes 1-10 from 3, okay? That's how good this Pacers team was all the way from top to bottom. T.J. McConnell, ladies and gentlemen, 7-8 of eight from the field, played 32 minutes tonight, led the team in minutes, 3-4 of four from 3. Thought she couldn't even come on the podcast to, to laugh about this with me, but 19 points and 10 assists. T.J. McConnell, probably the player of the game for this one. Benedict Mathern had a great bounce-back game. He had 22 points in 27 minutes, and he also had uh, five rebounds off the bench. So 
Love seeing that from Matherin once again. And he actually had eight free throws, got to the line 10 times. So love seeing that from our guy Matherin. And, I mean, everybody got in this game except James Johnson. Andrew Nimhard did not play in this one because he had a left knee injury. So Aaron Neesmith got the start. Not the same Neesmith performance that we saw on uh, on Saturday night, but still a uh, good showing for him. Nine points, eight rebounds on three of seven shooting. So, yeah, just a fun game. Isaiah Jackson, 10 points, eight rebounds. He was five of five from the field. Just just a, a fun game. And O'Shea Brissett, I mean, sorry, I, gotta, I, I keep forgetting to talk about O'Shea, but O'Shea's been playing lights out, ladies and gentlemen. 18 points, four or seven from three, five and nine from the field, three rebounds. I mean, he was just fantastic in this game. Uh, just love what he did. But yeah, o- overall, really good Pacers win. And I-, I think at the end of the day, you know, they went to a-, a very fun lineup to end the game. It was O'Shea, McConnell, Goga Batadze, Terry Taylor, and Isaiah Jackson. That was their five to close this game out because they were up by so much. The Magic had no answers for them. And it, it was just one of those games when you look at this Orlando Magic team. They were missing a lot of their key guys, and you could see it on the floor. Franz Wagner, a uh, really good basketball player. Jalen Suggs, a good basketball player. But not having Wendell Carter Jr., not having Cole Anthony, not having Markel Fultz, not having Paolo Boncaro, they desperately need to get these guys back because asking some of their role players to step up and, and play a bigger role is just not something they can do for a long, sustained time. But we're going to jump into more of that conversation here with my good friend Stephen Cameron and Malik Grady from the Close-Up Magic Show. Uh, and it was a fun podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, let me know what you guys think about this. Pacers, 10-6 and six record. And, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll be back tomorrow. It'll be uh, an episode of the Blue and Golden. So it will not be a Setting the Pace actual episode with Fachi and I. Um, but I'm doing a Blue and Golden podcast with familiar voices you guys all listen to probably. Tony East of Locked on Pacers. So I think you guys are going to enjoy that. But now we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, you'll be able to hear my conversation on the Close-Up Magic. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. 
Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. So we're here to talk Magic and Pacers basketball. Um, they just played. We're, we're recording this on Monday, November 29th, uh, after the Pacers whooped up on the Magic pretty pretty badly. Um, Man, you're, you're brings- skipping time. November 29th, we're not there yet. November 21st. Sorry. Sorry. It's late, guys. It's late. We just got our ass kicked. Like, What happened to Thanksgiving? (laughs) Um, Pacers now stand. uh, The Pacers now stand 10 and 6. The Magic are 5 and 13. Magic sitting in the 13th place in the East after this loss. The Pacers are sitting nicely in fourth. Um, Alex, I'm just going to pass it to you. We've had we've had two two different games we had one game that was very much back and forth magic were in the lead most of the game pacers fought back um you know ended up ending in a pacers win but it was a very tight game um for a injured riddled magic team with a with a pacers team that just um i don't know it, it was just a very tight game and then we have a game like tonight where outside of the first quarter it was the magic weren't in it. We weren't doing a lot of the little things right. And uh, the, the, the Pacers just had total control the whole time. You know, 20-point loss. It was never really that close after the first quarter. What's your just first initial thought on both games combined, in a sense? Yeah, I, I think if you look at Saturday's game, both teams were coming off the second half of a back-to-back. Indiana tr- had to travel back from Houston. Y'all had to travel back from Chicago, which is a little bit closer than Houston and you know you guys had a big win in Chicago so uh that that was huge for you guys and then of course the Pacers had a comeback win in in Houston where Rick Carlisle was ejected so it it was one of those games where when I was watching the first half like I brought it up on our podcast I thought Benedict Matherin looked kind of fatigued out there a little bit he looked like he was kind of going through the motions and I'm sure that they got in late from Houston and they were probably both a little bit tired and that's why you kind of saw this back-and-forth affair where the defense wasn't maybe as uh, good as you'd like it to be. And then in this game tonight, I think the biggest difference you can see here is the the Pacers are healthy and the Magic aren't. You know, the Magic missing a ton of their guys, like you said. It it plays a huge factor. You know, you can't expect these guys that are playing bigger roles than they should be probably to continue to have great success in those roles consistently, right? So that's kind of where I'm at with this, like, Thought the Pacers tonight, like being able to sleep in their own bed, get a day off, get some rest. The Magic were on the road without, you know, their best scorer, Paulo Boncaro. Uh, Franz did not look like uh, – I thought he looked better Saturday than he did today. And, you know, Bull Bull was magical on, on, on Saturday, and so was Mo Bamba. And just felt like they weren't as magical tonight. No pun intended there. But uh, <laughs> it, it was just one of those games where I'm just like, the Pacers kind of dominated, even when they looked bad early on in the first quarter with all their turnovers. So – I just – I don't know what was going on. Buddy Hill was like one for nine from three tonight. And it just – T.J. McConnell put on a show and Matherin kind of came to life there in this game as well. So uh, just looking at it, I, I just felt like the depth was a big thing. And probably I would just say the Pacers a little bit more disciplined defensively overall in this game. Well, here's a question, Alex. Now, I, I want to say go back a week or so ago, maybe a little under a week, wasn't Tyrese Halliburton dealing with some sort of ankle issue? Because he didn't show any of that these past couple of games. I thought he rolled his ankle like <laughs> five days ago. That guy looks great out there. Yeah, so he rolled his ankle Saturday against the Raptors in a win that they had. And he was questionable to play against the Hornets on Wednesday. 
didn't right. seem to be bothered by it, played. And then actually Friday okay. in Houston, Garuba stepped on his ankle again. And they basically said, you know, it's probably a long shot that he plays against the Magic. And Rick Carlisle said that he didn't think he was going to play. But he said he was insistent <sighs> on playing. And there was nothing that they really could do to keep him off the floor as long as he passed all the tests. And yeah. he said, and I thought Rick Carlisle did a great, you know, brought up a great point. He said, in a league where guys are constant, constantly looking to take games off, the second half of a back-to-back on a Saturday, he said Halliburton didn't want to do that. He wanted to get out there and play, and that's something they really love about him and his leadership. Yeah, and, and, he, and he looked great out there. I mean, he, he, both the games yeah. for me, he just seemed like a, a different kind of a, a game-changer out there. Uh, I, I was looking back at the 2020 draft, the 2020 rookie class, and looking yeah. at the three guys we have from that class the three guys you guys have from that class. You guys have, obviously, um, you know, Tyrese, Jalen Smith, and Aaron Neesmith. We have Cole Anthony, Chumo KK, and RJ Hampton. And you go to tonight, Chumo KK goes out with an injury. Uh, you, you have uh, Cole Anthony didn't play at all. And then RJ Hampton had his moments here and there. But there's only a few picks that separated Cole Anthony and Tyrese Halliburton. He was a guy that we had been looking at, I've been looking at for years as a as a perfect magic player with that wingspan, with the skinniness, with the kind of multi-positional kind of thing. And suddenly he's on, on your roster. You guys had to pay a, play, pay a pretty penny to get him, but it's just such a, a divergent road in terms of a young player in their third year comparatively to what we have. So it's just, what, what does that kind of do for you in terms of that, the road not taking? You look at those guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just say this. Like, Tyrese falling on that draft, I think, was a little bit of a surprise to everybody. And, you know, he if you do a redraft, I think Bill Simmons was talking about it. Like, Tyrese probably goes, like, second or third in that redraft. I mean, he's a special player. And the he's Pacers, really like good. you said, they, they paid a, you know, a, a good price to, to get him. And they gave him Sabonis. And Sabonis has been doing really well in Sacramento. The Kings are playing great basketball. So, you know, we can sit here and say, well, we won the trade. You know, we got Halliburton longer on under contract, you know. That's great. I think it was a win-win for both teams. It kind of freed up De'Aaron Fox and his role. Davion Mitchell, they had too many point guards, right? And this allows Tyrese to kind of be that point guard that he is and not play second fiddle and be kind of like that off-ball guy that occasionally gets to play on ball. And so, you know, we're seeing Halliburton be more aggressive than we ever have before in his young career, looking for a shot consistently. And like you said, with him being six foot five, you know, he's got that passing ability. Now, I have a, a friend that actually lives in Orlando, uh, he's a pastor of a church down there, and there's some other uh, guys that I'm in a group chat with, and they all remember the MJ days like it was, you know, that was their childhood, right? So they uh, they were comparing Halliburton, and they constantly do it to Penny Hardaway. Um, okay. And I don't know if I necessarily see the same tools, but I do understand, like, the taller point guard that's able to find a shot, get some others flare. involved. Yes. And, and Halliburton, he's just not afraid of the moment, and that's one thing we've seen from him. He had a huge step back three against the Hornets to kind of solidify that game. And, you know, just took over in that magic and both magic games, really just, he just always has his head on a swivel. And while he's scoring around 20 points a game, leading the league in assists, he's always looking for his teammates. And that's, what's kind of helped with this team and, and their growth. It's awesome because he's like, you know, he's a third player. And I think the magic often draft these like a little bit more raw toolsy type of players. And so it takes our guys a few years to kind of look like polished NBA players. And it's just, it's really nice to see, you know, even Benedict Matherin and, uh, and, and anti-Reese Halliburton, they just look so mature already on this court. And, you know, Matherin definitely had like some rookie 
rookie moments and, and things here and there, but you know, he, they're, they're both just such for such young players. They're just such polished and mature players, in my opinion, already. Um, and, yeah, and the shot looks so good. It looks like it's always going to go in. Both their shots are so compact and so repeatable. You can say what you want about whether they're the right form or not, but whatever they do is exactly the same each time, no matter how they're standing, whether it's a step back, whether it's off the catch, off the bounce. And that is just so impressive to have that attention to detail for both those guys. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I, I, we talk about Matherin almost every podcast because we're just so impressed <laughs> with what he's doing, like 22 points tonight, like, you know, and he looked just a lot more energized, I thought, in this game than he did on Saturday. But I'm curious, you know, from you guys watching him, you guys have been watching Paulo all season long, and obviously I've got to catch a couple of the games. One of the games I did catch was that Kings game where you guys lost a heartbreaker on that De'Aaron Fox three from, like, the, from the yeah. logo. But that was a really fun game. It's like you guys fell apart in that third quarter. You came back in the fourth. Paulo looked unstoppable. I think he had 30 points, like me, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it's like – these two guys, Paolo and uh, Benedict, are right there at the top for this rookie, you know, of the year award. And I wanted to see Paolo in this matchup. I wanted to see how yeah, Benedict kind of approached it, just because I don't know if you guys know or not, but like when the Pacers played the Pistons early on, Benedict Matherin was chirping it up with Jaden Ivey, letting him know, like, "Hey, okay, uh, you were <laughs> taken above me, but I'm better than you." And oh, he said, "No disrespect, but I got to let him know that I'm here." I think he had 27 that night, and it's like his third game in the NBA, so. You just love seeing that confidence, but I'm curious, like, from watching Paolo and then watching Benedict and kind of, like, the different roles they're playing for their teams, uh, what would be your case against, I guess I could say, Matherin being Rookie of the Year in, in favor of Paolo? Well, I'll start real quick. I, I think, to me, both of them seem so physically mature, mm -hmm. and they also – the game seems to come easy to them, like, um, in terms of scoring. Like, there's things Matherin does where you're like, well – he could easily blow by this guy. He could shoot over him or he could go off the bounce and kind of finish at the rim. Any play he's on the court, like there's, there's, there's always that kind of mismatch. The same thing with Paolo at his size, he can shoot over the guys in front of him. He can kind of bounce off and going inside. He can also, you know, kind of move off the ball a little bit. So the game, there seems to be easy paths for each of them to score and kind of put up points where their ceiling, I don't think we've seen it for either of them yet. I mean, Matherin isn't even starting and he's getting all these points. You know, Paolo's yeah. starting, but he doesn't have a point guard passing to him. I mean, it's just, they're both just kind of just, eh, I guess I'll just get 25 tonight. No reason. I mean, it, it's almost like it, it shouldn't be happening as easily as it is. And once they have things more set, the table set for them in some ways, because you don't even have Duarte spreading the floor for Matherin and that kind of thing. So I, I think that both of them have ways to go. And it's almost hard to judge because I'm not sure that we're judging them at the right point right right now. We're kind of judging them just kind of half-assing it into, oh, yeah, 25 points tonight. <laughs> just, you know, oh, yeah. yeah, by the way type type points, you know? It's, it's interesting because, like, Paulo plays roughly – six seven minutes more than Matherin and and um you know so so if, if Matherin was getting the same minutes Paulo would be their 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 numbers would look you know for the most part would would look very similar um you know Matherin right now is 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 averaging 19 points a game Paulo is at 23.5 um 
let me put the point one for Matherin. He's at nineteen point one since I gave Thank Paul you. the point five. I gotta I gotta honor that there <laughs> as well. But it's like you know that would just be an uptick and be you know around twenty three as well with with Benedict there if he was getting the if he was getting the numbers too or or the minutes as well. Um, I don't really know what separates them yet, to be quite honest. I haven't watched enough Benedict Matherin to really say. Um, you know, I think right now maybe what separate what would separate them is is like usage and, and, and the overall usage on like Paulo is in my opinion, he is a starter on a broken team. So he's being asked to carry a pretty heavy load. Um, Benedict Matherin has a much healthier team right now uh, to support him a little bit more experienced team with some of the players that are still on your squad that um, haven't been traded away or that you guys picked up in free agency. Your team doesn't feel as young as the magic. So I think there's like some things there, but you know, I'm, I'm a magic fan. I'm biased. Obviously I would lean more towards Paulo, but, but I, I don't think it's a clear cut who's number one. And I, I do think that if you were to, you know, if, if Benedict Matherin gets, gets a starting position relatively, you know, within the next, quarter of, of the season and can finish the season as a starter, I, I think it's going to be a very, very hard choice if both these guys can stay healthy and and and, and play, you know, 60-plus games this year. Yeah, Alex, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to jump in here because when I've watched Paulo, like, I'll, I'll say this, like, even going back to college, um, you know, in, in hopes of hopefully getting one of the top picks in the draft, right? It's just he's such a good ball handler, and he's able to create his own shot and, and get to the rim at a pretty, you know, elite rate, right? And that's one of the things that's good about him. And, like, Pacer fans talk about what Matherin's doing about getting to the free throw line because it's like anytime he drives, you feel like he's going to get an and one. But Paulo does a great job, too, of creating contact and getting to the free throw line. And I think he's actually got more free throw attempts throughout the season or per game or whatever it is than Matherin. I think because Matherin's been a little bit more healthy, obviously, with Paulo being out. So, you know, I, I know Tyrese was on JJ's podcast and – Magic fans were all up in arms because he said, you know, he's probably like the best rookie he's ever seen to draw fouls. And they're like, Paulo draws more than him right now. You know, <laughs> I was just laughing. I'm like, Magic fans, come on. Let's just be happy for each other. Like we both have really good players here. And yeah, of course, it's like it's his, it's his teammate. What else is he supposed to say? Exactly. And that's the biggest thing there. It's like yeah. you really want his teammate to say the other guy on another team's better than him. Like, no, <laughs> like he's not going to say that. He's about – he's being a good leader, right? But, yeah, I mean, I think one thing you can both say they're really good at is the free throw line. They're both unafraid of the moment. And that's one thing that we've noticed is just that maturity yeah. stepping on the floor from day one. Like, I thought, okay, coming off the bench, he's probably going to get like 10 to 12 points a game. That's what I'm thinking for Matherin. And I was kind of surprised that he's coming off the bench. I'm thinking if your long-term plan is him with Halliburton, get them together as many minutes as possible, especially in a year where you're trying to develop and grow. But like Rick Carlisle said, Matherin coming off the bench is the best thing for our team. And the ability to kind of see what's going on, go up against probably weaker, you know, units out there is I think somewhat beneficial, right? Going up against starters, you're playing against the best five of the other team more than likely. It's usually how it works. So, you know, that to me is like maybe let's some kind of read the game a little bit on the bench, come in, go up against the second strings players, try to take advantage of that instead of being thrown to the fire and, and kind of not set up to fail, but you know, this gives him a, a chance to set up for success by doing what he's doing and playing with a veteran point guard like McConnell as well. So overall, I just feel like the load's been a lot heavier for Paulo and what he's been asked to do and what he's relied upon to do where, where Matherin can kind of be the beneficiary of playing with a great player like Tyrese Halliburton. Um, but at the same time, 
Matherin's still got to do what he's got to do to be great, and he's totally. doing all that. So yeah. I think right now, like, it's neck and neck. I, I think the injury bug a little bit to Paulo is what maybe put Benedict up at the top of the ladder the last time they came out with those rookie ladder stuff. But I, I think it's, like, neck and neck right now. And uh, I would probably lean more Paulo just overall based off what his role is compared to Matherin's. But um, as a Pacer fan, it's hard not to be excited for what Matherin's doing. Oh, and that's, and that's what's great, Alex, is we both have really exciting players when our teams are making, you know, yours, in my opinion, pretty big shift. You, I don't know if Pacer fans oh, feel yeah. the same, but, you know, Massive. the magic, a complete, complete shift of, of what we're doing or what we've been doing. And then to have two of the top rookies uh, in, in, in the class just really performing well, it's quite amazing. And, and you know, you're right. Like, Paulo hasn't played with the point guard we've played with um you know he's played with cole anthony for a little bit but he got injured really fast some people don't consider cole anthony a point guard he's he's got point guard ish tendencies um you know jalen suggs is really a combo guard that's being asked to run point right now uh franz wagner is learning how to run point um he ran it a little bit last year in really small spurts when we were like super injured and then this year is has really been asked to like just carry that load and so is paulo as a as a rookie and it's like you know when Fultz comes back like he's the floor general gonna help set these guys up uh likely you'll see you know paulo get his um free throw or uh, his three-pointer percentage up there a little bit more or his attempts at least hopefully his percentage will go up with the attempts um and you know because that's like a big difference right there is like you know benedict's averaging basically six attempts per game where where paulo is at right around four um and that's with the with the difference in in, in 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 minutes played per game, and so that's something I'd like to see Paulo get a little bit higher up on his, his attempts there. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just it's interesting. It's fun to have two really good rookies, and I would have loved to have seen Paulo be playing these at least one of these games. But he didn't even go on the road trip because mm, yeah. um, you know they just wanted to keep him out. It's likely he's back in the next game or two. It doesn't seem that serious. Just. Yeah, no we think they're aiming for this Friday, maybe or Thursday. So yeah. that's what we think. When we get back now, to our home game. Now, what what do, what do you think about Aaron Nesbitt? Is he the guy, a guy that you guys want to maybe keep and build around it as this kind of second or third year player? Or because I've I mean I've seen he's starting now in the backcourt and he had a pretty nice defensive game. I thought like, is a guy that you're kind of hoping to build around, or is just a a guy of the moment when Duarte comes back or what? Yeah, so he actually took over for Duarte in that starting lineup early in the season because Duarte was struggling. And then Neesmith got hurt, and they put Andrew Nimhart in there, the rookie from Gonzaga. That's right. And and Nimhart has been starting, but he was hurt, so he did not play tonight. So they put Neesmith back in the lineup. So I still think they see Neesmith as potentially a guy that fits their core. But I know before the season started, you know, when when Kevin Pritchard, the Pacers president of basketball operations, was doing his preseason presser, he just kind of said, like, we're not really sure who our core is yet, like, Obviously, you know that there's Halliburton and Matherin, but like other than that, like long-term core, we don't really know. We're trying to figure out who it is by kind of just experimenting with some of these guys. So obviously they got Neesmith in the Brogdon trade, uh, as well as Daniel Tyson, three other players that were waived to uh, create cap space for the DeAndre and Max contract that we offered him in the offseason. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think Neesmith had a great game against you guys on Saturday. I thought he was a Pacers player of the game. First time we've ever seen him knock down shots from distance at that consistent of a rate. Uh, he was lights out, and he was all over the place. The aggressiveness on the rebounds, offensive rebounds, to kind of solidify that game there by getting those two free throws and that offensive rebound. He's That was his best game as a pacer, best game of his career potentially. 
Uh, and then tonight you kind of saw where he was just okay, not anything special. And that's kind of what he's been so far early on. He's just a guy that hasn't really found his touch yet from outside, been very inconsistent. Um, defensively, he's been one of our better defenders, but uh, the Pacers just lack wings, and he's kind of one of those guys that fits that role as a wing. So probably not being asked to, to do more than what he can, but I'm just saying, like, he's a young guy that just needs time and more reps to develop. Wasn't getting a lot of reps in Boston, obviously, because they're trying to compete for a championship. So it's just a good spot for him to grow. But I I think they like him, right? He's in a rookie contract. So uh, year three for him, like we talked about with Halliburton and and Jalen Smith. So they got control of his contract now for the next at least two seasons in the restricted free agency. If they want to match that, they can keep him for another whatever that deal ends up being. So I I think that they are invested in him, but like – He's got to continue to prove more and more that he belongs in this rotation and, uh, you know, that he can knock down shots at least at a decent clip. Yeah. Question for you now, Alex. Um, I want to shift over to Miles Turner. Um, he's someone that is constantly in the trade rumors for the NBA year after year after year. And obviously so much more him and uh, Buddy with the Lakers chatter <laughs> like for the last 12 months. And I don't really want to get into that specifically on like the trade stuff, but I just kind of want to know like what he means to your franchise and, and kind of like, what is his future or what you would like his future to be? Because, you know, we, he's a solid player. There's no doubt about that. I think he's a, he's a very good, very, very good defender. Um, You know, I think on, Saturday, our Magic Bigs gave him a little bit of trouble. Um, you know, mm. Mobamba had one of his best games the, of the of the year that night. Um, but but he also, you know, uh, Turner also gave them trouble. You know, with a few block shots and just being very good defensively. Um, but where does like where does turn? Wh- what do you think of Turner on on how we performed against our Bigs the last couple of games? And then also, um, what what where is he kind of like long term with the, with the Pacers? You think? Yeah, so I mean, just to back up a little bit, obviously, this is a big, big talking point here in Indiana. It's eight seasons with the Pacers, right? So he's seen a lot. He's been through a lot of stuff that's gone on here. And it's it's one of those things where he's been heavily involved in trade rumors, like you said. And I think a lot of that's, you know, started from the DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner pairing, you know, who do you keep long term? Most people were leaning towards keeping the all star, trade the guy that's not the all star, that kind of thing. And Miles kept saying, I want to get time to be the five on the offense. I don't want to be the guy the perimeter just shooting threes, right? And so, you know, the Pacers, I, I guess they're giving him a chance now, but at the same time, in the offseason, like I mentioned earlier, they went after DeAndre Ayton and they tried to sign him to a max deal for four years. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like Turner was still on the roster when they did that. So yeah. <laughs> if that's any indication of, like, how the Pacers probably view Miles long-term, I, I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. Um, he's in an expiring contract, so – Pacers have no control on what he does. And he even addressed this on the Woj pod. Like they can trade. I mean, they can't lose me for nothing. Right. So if they end up trading me by February at the trade deadline, like he gets it because he knows that he's not committed. So he means a lot to a lot of people here in this city. I think a lot of fans have gravitated towards him. A lot of huge miles fans are just like screaming from the top of the mountain saying, this is what we've been telling you, Alex, for, for the past eight years, give miles a chance, you know, because I've been pretty, I've been pretty critical of miles in terms of just, sure how he's played overall because like first career he's 13 and seven with like three blocks. So it's like, you just wanted more. I felt like he could have always been more assertive than he was. And he's finally starting to do that. And I think part of it has to do with Tyrese Halliburton 
getting him the ball where he wants to. A lot of the NBA now doesn't play drop coverage. They play switch cut. You know, they switch a lot on defense. And when you've got Jalen Suggs guarding Tyrese Halliburton and and Miles Turner sets a pick and roll, and now you got Jalen Suggs in the post with Miles Turner, get him the basketball. Two easy points, right? So it's been a lot of that. Him running to the rim. Like I think his shot frequency is way up at the rim than it ever has been. So. We're seeing we're seeing Miles play a different style tonight. Obviously, wasn't super impactful. I think he had like three or four blocks, ten points, five rebounds. Like, didn't play a whole lot. Got in foul trouble early on. It was just a weird game. So, you know, the games that they've been close to, like he had thirty-seven against the Pelicans not too long ago. So, he's just playing with a lot more confidence. And whether that's because he's in a contract year, trying to prove himself, if he wants to get traded, and he's selling suitors for championship level teams to trade for him, whatever his motivation is, it, it's cool. But I just I have a hard time believing that it's long term here in Indiana, just because we've not heard of any official offer given to him, and there's been a lot of rumblings that he wants to test the free agency market, just to see what he can get out there money wise and and make his own decision where he wants to play in his prime. Because even though the Pacers are ten and six, there's a good chance they're still missing playoffs this year. So yeah. doesn't really seem like maybe he wants to commit long term to a team that's not playoff bound. Other, uh, one of the last questions I want to ask you is uh, what were your thoughts kind of going into this matchup, the, the two games coming in and coming out specifically for the bowl bowl experience, like coming in this guy, he had had a, a, a nice game against Chicago first game against Indiana he has 22 points. He's doing dipsy do stuff. <laughs> I mean, kind of just the announcers are giggling at some of the stuff he's doing tonight. He tries some of that stuff and the ball's literally going all over the court up and down. I mean, his arms are up at his head. Like what was your bowl bowl experience? These kind of watching him in Chicago and then watching him these two games, like what was the up and downs for a guy that literally anybody in the NBA could have had Detroit had him and failed his physical and sent him back, you know, with some corn nuts, like literally you could have just sent a protect pick and had this guy, anybody in the league. So what, what's your thoughts on the bowl bowl experience a year later from all that? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this actually a little bit on our podcast, and my and my co-host Fachi said he's a big bull bull believer, and uh, okay. he felt like he got slatted in Denver just because there was no playing time for him, and now he's getting the chance to kind of showcase what he can do. And you know, I I would say that I've never been like the biggest bull bull guy. Like I just kind of wasn't sure like what he was. It's just hard to figure out. But I will say this: in the last two games against, it is a mess. I will say. We got the best of Bull Bull and the worst of Bull Bull in the last two games. I yeah. felt like tonight it was just like, uh, what, what's going on here with Bull Bull? But the <laughs> night before, uh, our uh, color commentator for our TV uh, broadcast, Quinn Buckner, uh, former NBA player, was like, man, Bull Bull's on fire. You know, I haven't seen a seven-footer do this kind of stuff. And he was like comparing him to Wimbenyama at, at one point. Like, yeah. not saying he was Wimby, but he was just saying like, Everyone's talking about Victor Wimbanyama, the seven-foot guy out of France doing this crazy stuff. He's like, Bull Bull's doing the same thing right now. So, uh, you know, I, I thought Bull was great in that first game, and I watched him actually against the Kings a little bit in that game as well. And, I mean, he was giving him the business. He was giving Sabonis the business. And then I Up could tell under, Sabonis. So to speak. Yes. And Sabonis, <laughs> Sabonis was getting kind of mad. I could, I could tell Sabonis was getting frustrated. And so Sabonis started, like, throwing a little bit of a bow there and trying to, like, create some separation down low to get going. And he did. But at the same time, Bull Bull, just like when he's splashing threes, like it's tough to guard him. I mean, he's just he's just a weird player. But, yeah, I, um, definitely like you could say he's a unicorn, right, in quotations. But I don't I don't necessarily think he's a starter level player in the league right now. I like him off the bench. Maybe it's kind of like a wild card type of thing. But that's uh, what we're hoping for, too, I think, really. Too. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and, and that's the thing. Like, it's okay. It's it's okay to be a wild card because, like, you need those guys in the playoffs when you guys eventually get there. Like, if he's with the team still, who knows? But, like, just a guy that can kind of change it up, kind of give you a different look at what you're doing. Anytime you can get a seven-footer out, seven out there that can shoot the ball, I mean, he just looks really thin, in my opinion, still. And mm-hmm. not sure if that's ever going to change. I mean, his dad was very thin as well. And his NBA career, it's just a different, it's just a different NBA now. So, um, yeah, I, I was I was pretty impressed with with him overall, and I thought he was gonna give the I thought he was gonna cause the Pacers to lose that first game. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I was uh, I was kind of interested to see what he would do tonight, but just seemed like like you said, the ball was going all over the place. His arms were everywhere. I mean, he was and he kept he doing was, it. Uh, it wasn't like it was yeah. one time. He was like, no, I'm doing it again. <laughs> I mean, with the night that he had on Saturday, you probably had to feel like he was super confident for a reason. But at the yeah. end of the day, it's uh, he's he's an interesting player, that's for sure. And I think the yeah. Magic, you know, they got a lot of other good players that I think I'd put above him right now in terms of pecking order and, and, and what I think for this team's future. But not a bad little piece to have there. No, he's he's been a lot of fun. Um, he's definitely like – I was not a big Bull Bull fan. Any of the listeners now on the Magic would know that. And, uh, um, you know, he's. I'm glad he's doing well. I'm glad he's playing well. I'm ready for him to be in the second unit, though. Um, and and <laughs> as our team gets healthier and, and whatnot, there's multiple reasons there. It's not even really Bull Bull height. It's just more like systems that I would prefer to see. Um, but, you know, the one last comment I'm going to make, and then we'll wrap it up, is, is for some reason you guys are doing something well in the wings because – it's causing Franz Wagner, who typically does not get into foul trouble, getting into foul trouble two games in a row, um, you know, fouling out in, in game one on Saturday and, and racking up two quick fouls pretty quickly in the in the first quarter and then, you know, ending the game with five fouls and, and one of them being a flagrant foul. So that was that, you know, you guys are doing something well there. And I just say keep that up because he doesn't typically get into foul trouble. Um with all that being said, Alex, I really appreciate you joining the show today. Uh, your listeners obviously know where to find you, but if you would mind telling our listeners and viewers where to find any setting the pace content and Pacers information, that'd be really appreciated. I'll give the floor to you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, if you're an Orlando Magic fan, you guys have come to the right show to check out all your Magic content. Um, but I will say this, if you're interested in hearing about the Pacers, I don't know why you would be, but um, setting the pace is uh, on Twitter, at setting the pace 3 we're over on Instagram at Pacers Talk. And then, of course, we're on TikTok and Facebook at Setting the Pace. My co-host is at underscore F-A-C-C-I. Uh, it is pronounced Fauci, not Fauci, like the doctor. So uh, if you call him the wrong thing, he's probably going to be a little upset about it. Um, <laughs> so just letting you, letting you all know. Um, and I'm on Twitter with my handle here. You guys can see probably on the live stream. But if you're listening to this, at Alex Golden NBA. Um, you know, I, I try to watch other games, like I said earlier. Uh, it's just tough to cover. Uh, a lot of teams outside your own team that you're watching in your local market. But um, I think the Magic are in good hands. I think moving forward, this is a team that's got some building blocks. And we talked about that on our podcast a week ago with Halliburton and Mather. And you just feel like you start to have pillars. I mean, I think Wagner and Boncaro are two pillars you can build around. And, Absolutely. you know, I, I said this on our podcast. I thought Wagner looked like the best player on the floor on Friday on Saturday night. I just – his step back threes when the game was getting close, his ability to kind of be that point forward. Um, he's just very smart with the basketball. You guys are really lucky to have a player like that, especially because the Pacers don't have a lot of wings and you guys got a lot of them. So, you know, you, you guys have a lot of wings. We have a lot of guards, put our two teams yeah. together. We'd be a pretty di- dominant <laughs> force. Right. Great. You know, 
right? So you know that that's NBA the thing. Is, next year, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're talking about Nimharn and Matherin and yeah. uh, Neesmith and freaking Duarte. I was like, oh yeah, remember when we used to have guards? That was nice. <laughs> Bold idea. Instead of an expansion for the NBA, maybe we do a uh, a reduction and combine the Pacers and Magic right now. Like, I mean, yeah. great idea, Alex. I'm going to call Adam Silver tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, we'll play 21 of our games in Indiana and 20 in Orlando. We get the extra one because we got Halliburton, uh, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Right? Got to got to get go. it That's, done. Done. That. That's no problem. <laughs> Yeah, we'll just we'll base it off who gets the most Eastern Conference Player of the Weeks, whatever. I'm not just kidding, but yeah, no, I think you guys like obviously we're still trying to build, right? And so you guys are in a great position. Like if you guys get the number one pick again, Wimbenyama. If you get number two, Scoot Henderson, and then if you get you know three through six, whatever seven. I mean, there's plenty of guards out there. Like uh, what's a kid down there in Arkansas? Is it Nick Smith Jr. Something like that? Nick Smith. There's the Thompson yeah. Twins. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of guys yeah. that are like, okay. I'm looking. I'm looking at him. guards. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know, because we we need the Cam Whitmores. We need the Thompson Twins. Uh, those are the kind of guys the Pacers need <laughs> if they don't get Wimbenyama. Right. I mean, Scoot too. I mean, he's just going to be a great player. But overall, like, who who knows where the Pacers end up heading? Like, it's hard to talk about tanking when you're ten and six and sitting at the yeah. fourth seat. Um, but at the same time, we'll see what the record is after they go on these uh, seven-game road trip here in a little bit. So, okay, uh, out out west. So, but overall, um, I think both our teams are in a good spot, and no matter what the record says, we have to be excited about the future. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop, smooth. <laughs>